Uh, but today we're, we're looking um, at Romans 5, so if you have that, open your Bibles, you might want to refer to that. And we're, you know, maybe looking at from a, a ministry perspective, a missions perspective, about the way God gets his work done uh, in the world and the perspective that we should have regarding uh, mission. And we're looking at the, um, this idea of justification by faith that's uh, so um, clearly spoken about in, in Romans 5. Um, I wonder if any of you have seen the film Chariots of Fire, the well-known film Chariots of Fire. And that film shows the rivalry, doesn't it, of two sportsmen, Harold Abrahams, um, the, the Jewish man, and Eric Liddell, the, you know, the Scots uh, Christian, uh, who famously doesn't run on, on a Sunday. And the film describes the events leading up to um, 1924 Paris Olympics, where Eric Little switches events um, and then goes on to get success in, in the 400 metres. And the film shows the contrast between these two very, very different characters and the motivations for which they run, the motivations for which they, they live their lives. And Harold Abrahams, he's desperate to prove himself, isn't he? He's a Jew, uh, he's an outsider. And one of the things that he says that maybe encapsulates that well is, is he's, he famously said, I have... 10 seconds to justify my existence. You know, all the training, all the dedication, and you've just, you've got this very, very small window where you can show the world what you can do, where the eyes of the world are on you. And he has that time to, to prove himself, uh, to prove that he can be the best that he can be. Uh, but of course, contrasting with every little, we have, we have him, you know, his, his very well-known words where he says, when I run, I feel the pleasure of God. Uh, and that, you know, that, that says a lot, doesn't it? And we can understand um, what he means by that. He was running to feel uh, that, that, that blessing of God, that, that smile of God, enjoy the gift of, of the blessing, which, um, which gives enjoyment in its use. So two ideas relating to this idea of proving ourselves, of being justified. And Romans chapter 5 talks about justification. It talks about the essential nature of being a Christian. Harold Abraham's words talk about something that he needs to do to show who he is, to show what he's capable of. Um, but Eric Little's words express something different. It's about enjoying the benefits of something that he was uh, made to be, that God made him to be, that God gave him this gift to run. And justification by faith is something that God made for us to be. And it's something we discover through, as it says, by faith. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. I mean, you know, think about, like I said, this doctrine, think about how it relates to ministry and mission but let's 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 first of all ask ourselves what what is justification what is justification well justification starts in the mind of god it starts in the mind of god it's when god chooses to think of us as forgiven and he chooses to also chooses to think of the benefits of christ's goodness of Christ's righteousness, of his perfect law-keeping, 
of the fact that he loved God with all his heart, mind, soul and strength. The benefits of all that. God chooses to think of those benefits as belonging to us. So it's, it's, it's those thoughts, but then it's also a declaration that we are declared righteous because of that in God's sight. So like I said, it's interesting, isn't it, when we think about the gospel, when we think about all Christian work, we think about all mission work, you know, it starts, it really it starts here, doesn't it? It starts in the mind of God, where he chooses to think of us uh, in that certain way. I mean, chapter... Chapter 3 of Romans talks about the fact we've, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of God's perfectly righteous standards. You know, we, we have a problem, we have a, you know, there, 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 there's an issue there that the Romans chapter 3 talks about. And so we need a way of being acceptable to God outside of keeping God's law. We're, we're unable to do that. That's never going to be an option for us, that's never going to work. We're never going to be able to be those who keep God's law perfectly. Um, and then as we go through the argument in Romans, we see you know, in chapter 4 we read of Abraham. He had faith in God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So he believed. the something he believed that made him acceptable in God's sight. There was something he, he took hold of in his mind that enabled him to be uh, accepted by God. Uh, the righteousness of God apart from the law, the righteousness uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ that he puts all his weight on, that he trusts in, uh, that he looks to in hope. And now in chapter 5 we see, uh, yeah, this, this goodness comes to us through uh, this act of uh, justification. God decides to forgive our sin and all the benefits of Christ's perfect law keeping are made ours. Christ was the one who kept God's law perfectly. He loved God with all his heart, mind, soul and strength. And the value of that becomes ours through faith. And like I said, then we declared legally righteousness in the sight of God. And I think it's important, isn't it? Because if God declares something to be true like that, it's something that, that, is, that, that continues it's not just justification in that moment, but it's, a, it's, a, it's an eternal state that God declares. So we've seen that salvation starts with the decision of God. Justification is not, you know, the, the Harold Abraham's idea that it's something that's our responsibility to prove before God. Or even that we take on board the idea of justification and then we think, well, I'll, I'll, I'll show God that he made the right choice in in justifying me that i'm going to prove myself that i'm going to show you that i'm worth something justification is an identity that is given to us in christ and this way that god deals with us is 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 unique to god it's justification is rather like things that we see throughout scripture even back to creation where there is nothing and there's darkness and there's the void and God speaks into that emptiness and he speaks into that darkness and then there's light and he creates something out of nothing, ex nihilo. He creates, there was nothing and then God speaks it into existence. That is, 
that is justification as well. That's, that's, that's the way we can think about justification. He declares this identity for us. He declares us as righteous. And then he begins the process of making us holy uh, through the work of his spirit. Uh, and the fruit that comes and, and the growth in Christian character in us. And like I said, this is, a, this is different from human nature. This is different from the way that uh, we as people conduct our, our, our lives. I mean, let me, let me give you an example. I mean, maybe, you know, if, this, if there was, you know, with young people, you know, they, you ask them that, the typical question, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they might say, well, well I want to be a, I don't know, I want to be a teacher, I want to be a doctor or... Or, or some sort of professional. Um, but we can only call ourselves by those titles when we've, when we've done all the training, uh, when we've done all, all, the, all, the, all the book study and the, and the on-the-job training. Over a course of years, we've had, we, we have, you know, people have to pass exams, don't, we? don't they? And they have to reach certain levels of uh, competency to earn the right to call themselves by that name, by that identity. So that when they've done everything that requires that's required of them, they can say, "Right now, I'm a teacher," or, "Or now, I'm a, a doctor." But with God, it's different because He justifies us. He He gives us that identity in Christ, and then through His, you know, through the effectual work of the Spirit, He builds that identity in us. And we set off on the course of our Christian life and Christian journey. And slowly God realises in, in us what he, has, what he has declared. Uh, that we are righteous in his sight. And it's not, it's not just an individual thing. I mean, Romans is about, is about being under the reign, being under someone's reign. We're, we're, in, the, we're in the kingdom of, of Christ. We're under his reign. Uh, and as, as we're in, in that new kingdom, that identity slowly grows and flourishes. So this is the way God does things. He declares us to be justified. And then that work uh, takes place through the course of our lives. And like I said, that's, that's an interesting way of thinking of things, isn't it? It's not, the responsibility is not with us. To, to prove to God that we are, you know, everything he imagined we would be. But it's the more we understand the scripture, the more we understand the gospel, the more we understand we're in Christ, the more we understand the nature of this identity, we see how God is working in us to bring about what he, what he intends uh, in our lives. And the benefits of this come through us through faith. Therefore, having been justified by faith. We, we, we believe this like Abraham. We, we lay hold of this. God gives us this gift of faith so that we can, we can grasp this, this understanding. And we can believe this. Because without faith, it would be impossible for us to appreciate these things. I mean, Romans 5 tells us what state we're in. And really, we have a twofold problem. Not only does it say that we're, we're helpless without strength. You know, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were without strength, Christ died for us. You know, we weren't reaching out to seek God. We weren't reaching out to better ourselves and seek Christ. We were, 
We were, we were helpless in our sin. We, we, there was nothing we could have done. And so we must believe that in the decision of God, knowing that we, were, we weren't in a, the, the position to contribute to our salvation in any way. We were helpless. I mean, and faith is, is all we could do, just to, to, to believe uh, this truth. But not only that, we were also, the Bible says in, in Romans 5, we were hostile. We were enemies of God. We weren't just indifferent or neutral or passive, but we were actively enemies of God. We were rejecting his reign. We were rejecting his rule. We were rejecting any claims he had on our life. And, and so we had to be reconciled to him through, through repentance and faith. But we see the benefits of this. What are the benefits of this, this justification? What are the benefits of, of laying hold of these, these truths by faith? Well, we see that uh, in, in verse 1 as well, don't we? That we're, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just simply a sense of peace, of tranquility and calm. But it's that Hebrew, that rich Hebrew word shalom. Um, that right relationship. You know, the, 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 the Hebrew shalom is, is where we're in a, a state of relationship without strife, without trouble, without condemnation. And justification brings us into that relationship with God, enjoying every kind of goodness and blessing in the grace of God. It's very uh, rich terms, isn't it? I mean, I think sometimes even as Christians we... We think, well, you know, we feel one day we're in the, the grace of God and maybe the next day we feel we're not so much in the grace of God and we are in this good graces and we, you know, then maybe we do things and we, we feel like we're outside of that. Uh, but this, this grace, um, it says this is the grace in which we stand. We're, we're permanently fixed in, in this grace. This justification, this declaration means that we have this, this eternal standing uh, in God's grace, that nothing can break us out of this shalom relationship with with the Lord. And like I said, as we, as we feel it in our own Christian lives, maybe we feel things go up and down, up and down. But it's good to meditate on these truths, isn't it? Uh, that God, through His decision, through His intention, through His declaration, uh, this relationship is is unbreakable. And as far as we stand with God, it's, it's, it's well with our soul. It's good between us uh, and the Lord. Because he's removed that enmity. He's removed all those obstacles. I mean, you know, this is the story, of, this is the argument of Romans, isn't it? It goes through. You know, Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. You know, nothing that that darkens that, that relationship between us uh, and God. But sometimes we might think, well, you know, what, what, what happens when we don't feel this? You know, it's all very well saying we have this rich, shalom relationship. We, we stand in the grace of God uh, through this declaration of righteousness. But what, what about when we don't feel the pleasure of God? Uh, what about when the harsh realities of life rob us of our joy uh, and peace of mind. Well, 
Romans 5 is a, is, a, is a realistic chapter. It speaks to our experience, doesn't it? It talks about uh, the tribulations. It talks about the tribulations producing perseverance and the perseverance character and the character hope. That really everything that happens in our life serves this divine intention of our being justified, of God forming this identity within us, um, of being his children, of being made holy, of being made in his likeness, of uh, being in Christ. Everything that happens uh, serves the, uh, the, um, the purpose of justification. And, you know, it's good to, it's good to remind ourselves of that. That there is a divine intention in all these things, um, as as it goes through this this chain of the tribulations, like I said, producing the perseverance, which produces the character, which produces the hope. So even the tears, even the despair, even the times of darkness, show us to be the people that God has declared us to be. But we then again we might well ask, well, how does this work? Uh, how can we be standing in this grace of God and enjoying this shalom relationship when it, you know, everything about in our lives might seem to be falling apart? Well, I want to try and apply this more uh, by looking at the example of a, of a life of one of God's servants in the Bible. Um, uh, the story of Elijah, you know, uh, a prophet of God, a minister of God, uh, but someone who's who's whose ministry seems to, seem to implode um, at a point in his life, the point where he reaches uh, rock bottom. So maybe we can turn back to that in 1 Kings. Um, and if we turn back to... Oh, sorry, So 1 Kings 19, 1 Kings 19. So like I said, we have, this, we have this identity. We have this status with the Lord. But sometimes it seems like the things of life work against that. Uh, and they, 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 they come between us and the Lord. And uh, they seem to rob us of the, the spiritual blessing of, the, the, of, these, uh, of these verses. But let's look at the example of Elijah. And obviously, up until this point in 1 Kings 19, uh, he's had this great uh, victory on Mount Carmel. And he's gathered the people together and he's challenged the, um, the prophets of Baal and Asherah uh, that their God would, so-called gods, would answer by fire on the mountain, which they were unable to do. And in the time of the evening sacrifice, Elijah rebuilds the altar, he prays to the Lord, God answers by fire. And then they, they, they execute, don't they? All the, all the prophets of Baal and Asherah, they're punished, uh, they're judged. So Elijah sees great manifestations of the power of God. I mean, incredibly unique experiences in the life of one of God's servants. Uh, and yet what happens? Well, is there, is there a national revival uh, do the people turn back to the Lord? 
Do they overthrow Ahab and Jezebel? Do they call for spiritual reform? That, that, that doesn't happen, does it? And in fact, rather than being intimidated, Jezebel comes out fighting and says, by this time tomorrow, Elijah, you know, you're going to be dead. And so Elijah flees into the wilderness. You know, he, he leaves his servant and he, you know, he prays that God might take his life from him. And his ministry seems to have nosedived. And like I said, you know, he's reached a very, very low point in his, uh, in his life. And, you know, maybe it's an extreme example, but, you know, it teaches that, that truth that, you know, sometimes we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to hit the buffers. We're going we're, we're gonna to struggle in, in ministry. We're going to struggle in mission. You know, on the mission field, you come up against, you know, frustrating situations, situations where doors seem to be closed and opportunities seem to have gone and there's fruitlessness and, you know, you're not seeing the blessing, not seeing the work of God uh, go forward. And, uh, and, there, and then there's that, there's that tension, isn't there, with what we believe as Christians uh, and this, the great blessings, the rich spiritual blessings we enjoy as God's people and the fact that we are justified in his sight and he has declared this, this identity over us. So what does Elijah do? Well, he, 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 he goes into the wilderness uh, and, and he prays. Um, he receives the ministry of the angel who, who, who you know, wakes up to the, 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 the roasted bread and the water. You know, he's, he's probably very tired, very physically depleted. He needs strengthening. He needs helping. Uh, you know, the, journey, the journey you're taking is, going to be, is too, too much for you. And he goes to the mountain of God, doesn't he? He goes to, to Horeb to meet with God. Um, and he's, he's, seeking, he's seeking God. He's seeking some way out of this confusion. He's seeking to make sense of this, these difficult times in which he's, he's going through. Uh, and when he, when he arrives there, he, verse 10, he, he prays. Um, so he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel, forsaken your covenant. You know, so he's, he's critical of the people of God. They've torn down your altars, they've killed your prophets with a sword, and I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. And like I said, you know, sometimes, you know, we may think, what do we do in those times where, like I said, you know, mission work seems fruitless, and, and things, the things you want to see are just not, just not happening. And especially in a situation like Albania, where in the early years there was great, you know, great blessing, great... Great revival, you know, and, and you know, to be honest, in, in, in that generation, things have slowed down, and some of the some of the pastors there are thinking, you know, it's not just not happening like it used to. People used to be flooding into churches, there used to be baptisms, people were hungry for the word of God. Now things, people are just not so interested. They're not so appreciative of ministry, of word ministry. They're just not they're not hungry for it. They haven't got a they haven't got a, a, a desire for it like they used to, and uh, and so these these. These, these frustrations come upon us. You know, times of spiritual apathy, times when you see worldliness in the church, and you think, where's the decision of God in these times? You know, justification, you know, we said at the start, salvation starts in the mind of God, in the decision of God, in the decisiveness of God, in the intention of God. That's, that's what justification is. 
God intends something, doesn't he? He intends to do, but not just he intends to do something, he, he does, but then he, he brings it to pass. And like I said, that sometimes conflicts with the, rea- the, 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 the ministry picture we see around us. And we ask, where is the decision of God in these times? Where's the decisive action of God to realise the purposes of his kingdom? But coming back to Elijah, you know, he says, I've been very... I've been very zealous, and it sounds good, doesn't it? It sounds like a good spiritual response, but in some ways I think there's a, there's a veiled criticism of the Lord there because he's saying, Lord, I've done everything required of me. I mean, I, you couldn't ask any more of me. You know, I've kept my part of the bargain. I've done everything, Lord. And so maybe there's a slight inference that, Lord, you know, this is, this is your fault, this situation. It's, 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 it's gone wrong, hasn't worked out as I imagined, and maybe there's a slight, uh, like I said, a veiled criticism of God in the fact that you know, it doesn't seem to be any spiritual awakening of the people. Yes, they got rid of the, the false prophets, uh, but the people don't really, and there was a lot of in, spiritual enthusiasm and excitement, but they don't seem to have uh, capitalised on that and uh, brought about spiritual change. And he says, I am the only one left. And obviously we know that the, the Lord comes back to him and says, well, that's, that's not the case. But in this point, Elijah says, I'm the only one left. You know, because, the, because I've failed, the plan's failed. You know, it's, it's all gone horribly wrong. And my ministry's at an end, and now they're trying to kill me too. So Elijah tried everything. And he, he felt that his, his ministry was over. And God's work had failed him. And I think sometimes... You know, that can be a trap that we fall into, that we, we confuse our plans with the Lord. And so when our plans don't work out, then by implication, God has failed us. God is, is not with us. And I think, I think that that confusion has slightly come across uh, Elijah's mind. But what does God say to him? Well, there is a plan. There is a purpose. There is a way forward. There is a spiritual tomorrow. He says in verse 15, Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus, and when you get there, anoint Haziel king over Aram. Verse 16, Also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel, and anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abiel, Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu put to death any who escaped the sword of Haziel, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. So this is a complete plan of how God is going to do things. And even in verse 18, Yet I reserve 7,000 Israel, all those who have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. So God's, it seems though sometimes God's decisive action has failed. Uh, but we can see here it, it hasn't. I mean, Elijah doesn't fully understand what God is going to do. Um, but nonetheless, there, there is a way ahead. God's plan was bigger than Elijah. There was a continuation of God's purpose through other people uh, and other circumstances. Uh, God was acting decisively to bring about the reality of his kingdom. You know, that's what I have to remember, you know, with mission work. You know, we see situations, people struggling on the mission field. There is a way forward. Um, I mean, in this situation, it's going to come through great judgment, isn't it? Um, But God preserves a remnant of his people. 
um, even in that, that situation. So Elijah struggled with, with not understanding God's uh, intentions, not understanding his plan. Um, but we, you know, we, you know, we too need to, need to appreciate that as well, that we, we can struggle with that. But not only did Elijah struggle with the, the plans of God, but I think maybe Elijah struggled with the idea of God's willingness to show grace. You know, sometimes maybe the, the, the greater problem with the idea of the way God does things is not that we just don't understand what he's doing, but the motivation for why he does what he does. That God is willing to uh, show grace. Sometimes I think, even as Christians, maybe we've sat in the pews for many, many years, but we can find God's grace as problematic as his judgments. Because the grace that God wants to show others forces us to see ourselves as God sees us, as justified by grace. And maybe, maybe we don't want to just see ourselves like that. We don't like the idea of always realising that we constantly need the grace of God. Maybe we wish we could have made more progress in the Christian life. Like the Galatians, maybe we kind of feel as though, well, we just, you know, we understand grace, but we... We want to have moved away, moved on from that. And like I said, shown God that we, we've made some progress on our own. And, uh, and we've learned the lessons of his, his grace and we've been able to, to, to build on that ourselves. But in loving the world, in having a love for mission, one of the humbling things is that we, we, we still need to see ourselves in, in God's debt in that way. We still need to see ourselves as as debtors to mercy alone. If, we, if we're going to have a love for the world, if we're going to have a love for mission, if we, if we feel we're on a slightly different spiritual level, then, then we're not going to be very concerned about people who are outside the kingdom and people who are, people who are lost. And maybe Elijah felt that. Maybe that was part of his grievance against God. Thinking, you know, you know, what's wrong, Lord? You know, why can't you, you know, why can't you judge? You know, why can't your judgment come to, to the people? Why can't it come to Ahab and Jezebel? And maybe, you know, maybe struggles with that. Because God is, is still willing to preserve the remnant. He's still willing to, to, to show grace to a people who, who spurn his kindness and spurn his goodness over the history. I mean, it's, it's quite remarkable, isn't it, that people of God continue through the Old Testament without God just bringing everything to an end and saying, that's it. You, you know, you've sinned yourselves out of, out, out of my grace, out of my goodness. But God, God always looks to the future and always looks to, to, to continue his, his covenant faithfulness to his people, despite the fact that, you know, they, they don't deserve that at all. So like I said, it brings us to the point where we sometimes think, yeah, you know, I, I need to appreciate, I still need that grace, I still need that goodness coming to me in my life. And it's hard, you know, it's, 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 it must have been difficult for Elijah to, to think about those things that God planned to do uh, to advance the purposes of his kingdom. I mean, who would have thought of anointing a pagan king? Has he? I mean, he has tears in his eyes when he realises the 
the destruction, the ruthless destruction that man is going to bring uh, on God's, God's people. And Jehu, you know, and again, another very unlikely character who overthrows, uh, you know, the monarchy of Israel and, and Judah. And even, even the idea of Elijah passing his ministry on to someone else, I mean, that requires humility. You know, Elisha is a godly man. He's a godly prophet. But again, you know, God's ways are not our ways. And that's a, that's a reminder to Elijah that it was, it was never about him. It was never about what he was able to, to do to prove himself to God. But there's a higher purpose. There's a higher decision. There's a higher... There's a higher consideration in the mind of God to show grace above and beyond uh, our efforts and our, and our desire. I mean, yes, you know, mission work uh, relies on the, the heart of the people of God that they have for, for other people who are outside the kingdom. But ultimately it rests on the heart of God himself for the nations, on his desire to seek and save the lost, of his desire to, you know, admittedly using his people, to, but his desire to go through the world uh, and, to, and to seek those who are, who are rebels, who are hostile. And, you know, to decide to forgive them. To decide to declare them righteous in his sight. So I think that's where we, you know, we find freedom to, to serve God in this way. When we realise that it's, you know, it's so much greater than our, the limit of our aspir- aspirations or expectations. Because they often fall so far short so hopefully we can be encouraged by that and encouraged that missionary endeavor and even when churches meet together to pray for the work and mission you know we can think about justification we can think about that 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 salvation that starts in god's mind to not just to think something but to to see it through and to have that desire to show grace to people that it might be brought in I mean, you know, you know, the argument of Romans 5 is, rings true with us, doesn't it? You know, that, um, you know, scarcely for a, a righteous man would one dare to die. I mean, we can understand the idea of laying down your life for your, for your loved ones, for worthy people. You know, that, that's, the, that's the Hollywood film scenario that, you know, that there's great, um, great expressions of sacrifice in, in laying down your life for good people. But God does something totally different. He does something totally unlike us. And he, he, he reaches out to rebels. And he offers reconciliation to, to those who are his enemies. I mean, yes, there needs to be repentance. Yes, there needs to be a change of heart. But God doesn't treat people like we treat people. And, and that, is, that is the strength of mission. That is the strength of mission organisations, that he, 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 he does this. I'm going to finish with an illustration. I've been reading um, uh, Lord of the Rings with my children. And obviously, you know, if you know the story of Lord of the Rings, you know the, there's the group of adventurers, if you like. You have to, have to get rid of the Ring of Power and throw it back in the volcano to destroy the power of evil over over Middle Earth, you know, you feel invested in these characters. You read the stories, and you, you know, like, like, like the characters. And you know, obviously, Tolkien as a as a writer, 
brings in quite a lot of Christian understanding to it, to his, to his ideas. But, you know, I got to the point with the kids and we got to the end where, you know, Frodo's just about to throw the ring in the, in the, in the volcano, the Mount Doom. And right at the end, you know, he's, he's carried this ring, he's borne the burden, he's struggled against evil, he's, he's dug deep when he's had to, he's faced all these enemies along the way. And right at the end of the story, he, he, he changes his mind. He thinks, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. You know, and the, and the power of the ring seems to overcome him and he, he's, ready to, he's ready to, you know, walk away from it all and not go through with what he has to do. And obviously, you know, you know the plot continues and there's, there's other ways that the, the story fulfills itself. But as a character, you know, you look, you look at this character and you, you're, you're disappointed and you think, well, what's wrong with you? You know, I, you know we had these high hopes that you'd, you'd go through with a mission and you'd see it through to the end and you'd prove yourself to be a, you know, a worthy uh, carrier of this, this ring right, right to the end. But, you know, it's almost as though the character lets you down and you, you feel disappointed. Um, and, and it's rather like that in, in the Christian church. It's, you know, it's no one person's story. You know, we're not the heroes of, 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 of the Christian story and of the Christian gospel. Um, but the work of the kingdom goes on because God shows grace. You know, even through our failures, even through our, our, our sins, not that we, not we sanction that or condone that in any way, uh, but God is, is greater than us and we're never going to be those who prove ourselves worthy. I mean, it's such an alluring appeal, isn't it? Um, you know, to have that, that Hollywood outlook in our, in our Christianity. Uh, but the, the realities of life humble us and the realities of life bring us back down to earth. We have been justified by grace. And we, we never move away from that. We always live our lives on the foundation, on the transparent foundation of God's grace, day by day. And it's his plan, and it's his purpose, and it's his decision that prevails. And his grace, greater than that of our hearts, greater than that of our, our desires for, for others and for those outside the kingdom that prevail to see it see it through and that should encourage us you know i mean we have good days and bad days as christians we have fruitful seasons and less and less fruitful seasons but the things the, the undergirding things of, of christian life and christian ministry is what christ has objectively done for us that never changes and and that requires our our, our meditation and you know Lots of missions in the world, lots of ways of going about things. But, you know, the gospel is what we, we, we build our, our lives and ministry and mission on. And, uh, we, you know, let, let's pray. Let's pray this morning that we have a greater appreciation of these, of these truths. I mean, we reach the unevangelized, but the church, myself included, we're the under-evangelized. What, what is our challenge? That we, we understand the gospel more. Uh, that it takes hold of us in a greater way. Yes, we understand it. Yes, we've, we understand it better now than we did in the past. But how much more should we want to understand it? How much more should we want to just be broken and, and appreciate the grace of God in our lives and just have those you know, fresh epiphanies of his grace and just be lost in wonder, love and praise as we consider that, that he, is, he showed grace to us of all people that he looked on us and he decided 
to think of us as forgiven. And he decided to show us his grace in his son. He, de- he declared in front, you know, before all heaven and earth that we are righteous in his sight. And so that can give us great hope and comfort as we think about these things. And like I said, later on uh, this evening, we'll be thinking about uh, this uh, in relation to mission as well. But let's, let's pray. Let's pray uh, as we close and then we'll sing our, our final hymn. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the truths of the gospel. We, we, we understand them. Uh, and we're, we're blessed by them. We thank you, Lord, that it was a time in our lives when our sin was a great problem to us, a great burden to us. And we sought refuge in Christ. And uh, we thank you for those times in our life where we, we appreciated justification. We, we understood uh, that you had shown us grace in your son and you had offered us forgiveness. And we thank you for... The time in life when many of us, I'm sure, can say that we, 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 we felt the benefits of that and we, 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 that was precious to us. But we just pray that in our Christian lives that would continue to be precious to us. And Lord, you would impress these things on our hearts in a, in a greater sense. And we thank you, Lord, that your decision prevails in our life. And you realise the things that you've decided. And we thank you that you decide the course of missions and you decide the course of ministry in your favour, in your grace. And we thank you for that also. And we thank you for your heart for the nations, for your great desire for the world, uh, who are not indifferent, but they are, they're enemies of the cross of Christ. But we thank you that where sin abounds, grace superabounds. And we thank you that that is the, that is the success of mission. Lord, that your gracious purposes are stronger than any work of of the devil or any work uh, of the fall. So we pray that you might remind us of these truths and encourage us in these truths and and bless us as we think about those who are outside the church, uh, on the mission field, those without God and without hope, and that we might have a greater desire for them. We just might be more grateful in our own souls for your goodness that you've shown us. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen.